identification, because we're going to talk about that this morning. So you were led by the Spirit this morning, Joseph. You already knew that, but praise God. Um, So we had an executive leadership team meeting yesterday, and we were talking about some things that we feel like the Spirit of God's leading us into as far as the body uh, activity in the coming year. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to have a celebration service. Is it okay to announce this? I just did anyway, I guess. Sorry about that, Pastor CJ. And we're going to have this on New Year's Eve, and we're not going, it's not going to be the can. We got to grind it out till the midnight hour. So those of us that are 30 plus years, that's right. We can get to bed somewhere around the normal time we, we get to, and we're not having to have toothpicks to prop our eyes open to make it to that midnight hour. Those of you that are less than 30, you can, you're going to have time because it's going to be 7 to 9. You're going to have time to go and go to the midnight hour plus, like you always like to do on things like that. So it's not going to crimp your plans. But one of the most interesting and awesome things we're going to do is we're going to have a baptismal service. And it's not going to be the normal baptismal service. It's going to be what we feel like God really intends in terms of baptism. And that is a celebration of testimony of what God has done in your life. And so, uh, and, and we're going to break out of the mold, I mean, in many ways. And I mean that from a perspective of we're not going to have the baptismal in the bat, or the baptism in the baptismal. We're going to go out to Boomer, no. <laughs> we're going to see, we're going to try your faith <laughs> and see if it be genuine. <laughs> no, we're not going to have a polar bear club baptism, although I think that'd be kind of cool. Pun intended. Uh, we're going to have baptism right here in front of everybody. And I don't know how it's going to go down. Pastor CJ is the one that's going to conduct this. and But we're all going to participate as a body in celebration. And so, you know, I being the, you know, the person that's always given to teaching and things like this, I mean, it's just the way I'm wired. I'm sorry, that's the way God wired me. I'm like, Pastor, are you going to have an opportunity to talk a little bit about baptism before then? Because there may be uh, some folks that need to hear, you know, a clarity about that message. Because there may be some folks that want to get baptized. They've already been baptized before, but it becomes a revelation and something they want to do from that perspective and not out of religious service and duty. He said, absolutely. Would you teach on that tomorrow? I'm like, Okay. Open your mouth and receive a responsibility. So that's what we're doing. And I just want to give you a little bit of foundation about what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about baptism. And I know we have a lot of people here that have been baptized. I know we have a lot of people here that understand or believe they have a solid understanding of what baptism is. But we're going to see what the scripture says about it. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time. We're going to get through this pretty quick so we can get to some physical nutrition, but let's take in a little spiritual bread this morning about this subject, and let's allow the Holy Spirit to stir and to blow upon the coals, you know, in your life about your belief in in Christ and the work that has taken place. My goodness, what we worship Christ, the King who gave himself for us. Hallelujah. This morning so well in that song. And so let's just visit this subject for just a little bit. And before we do, let's just pray. Father, we're grateful to have an opportunity to come together as your bo- as the body of Christ, as a body of believers, for those that have accepted you, Lord, and for those that haven't, 
as an opportunity, Father God, that's going to be had today for them to come to saving knowledge of, of your Savior, Jesus, your Son. Father, we thank you for this Holy Spirit that you've given to us who leads us in truth and knowledge, brings revelation, and is the teacher for us. We acknowledge his work and ask right now that, Father, that the Spirit of God would just bring these truths in their simplicity and would open up the eyes of our understanding. Father God, open up our ears, Father. We just receive this word, Lord, as an engrafted seed, Lord God, through the saving of our souls, Father, this morning on this subject and everything else that you would have to deliver. And all glory and honor go unto you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's just talk just a little bit about baptism this morning, lay a little bit of a foundation. And you know, when you stop and you think about baptism, it's probably one of the more um, contentious points in Christianity that you could talk about. Uh, in fact, a lot of denominations have been developed and were born on, on very hardline positions that were taken in baptism. Hello, Jamie. How are you? Good to see you. Go back there. I haven't seen you for a while. And uh, it is a contentious point. And it's really sad that it's been a point of contention for some of the reasons. And, you know, some of the prominent beliefs in baptism is that some people have taken up a, a, a personal or taken up a belief that you can't become a member unless you're baptized in their church. I mean, that was a requirement for membership. Some people believe that it has to take place at infancy. And I think a lot of us are, are, are familiar with, you know, some of the uh, doctrinal beliefs in some uh, circles with regard to the concept of uh, sprinkling of, of the infants at birth or, with, you know, very closely to birth. And that's, and you know, how many of y'all know really where that came from? I did a little bit of digging and found out it was born about 400 A.D. from St. Augustine and his concept that he came up with of the original sin, which means, which meant that man inherited sin upon, or from Adam, and that is scriptural. But what he said was he took a, a, a meaning to the, to the a level of believing that as soon as man entered the world, he was immediately in sin and apart from God at that stage of life. I mean, at an infancy. As soon as the, the fleshly body was, was born into the world, and therefore needed to be sanctified through baptism. And uh, so then, of course, you know, you don't take an infant and dunk an infant in the water. That's a little bit, you know, uh, that's a little bit over the top and might have some, pose some risk and danger. So they begin sprinkling. And that's, that's where that comes from by best of my research. Um, you know, another uh, concept or belief is that uh, you must grow in Christ before you're baptized. In other words, we've got to wait until you achieve a certain level of maturity before you're baptized. Another one is that, and a lot of people hold to this, is that it is an absolute requirement for salvation and the receiving of eternal life. Okay, so these are just some of the beliefs and prominent beliefs and some of the reasons that people have taken hard lines and actually developed denominations based on these. I mean, we have denominations named Baptists. I was a, I was a Baptist. I have cradle world Baptist. In fact, I have Baptist on ordained Baptist ministers on both sides of my family. Um, praise God for Baptist. Hallelujah. My goodness, man. I mean, I, I bet half the people in heaven are a result of the ministries and of evangelism that come through those 
that those people. Thank God, hallelujah, for them. So let's talk a little bit about baptism in terms of the doctrine of baptism. You know, it's not just a big deal in church history today. I mean, it was a big deal back in the day. And if you look, you know, in Hebrews chapter 6, you don't have to go there. Just listen to what I'm going to tell you. We're going to cover a lot of scriptures so you can just listen and dig these uh, principles up later, these scriptures up later for your own. Um, Hebrews 6, 1, listen to what it says. It says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. So we actually see it referred to here and translated as a doctrine of baptism. So we know from this, plural means there's more than one, right? And there is. There's more than one baptism. And, and it's in there, you know, can be, we can spend quite a bit of time talking about all the different baptisms. I'm going to give you the list very concisely. We're not going to go into teaching on what all these are. Um, each of these have, have a wonderful significance because we need to talk about water baptism. because That's what we're going to do. Uh, on uh, New Year's Eve in a celebration service. Um, the first the first one that most people kind of really kind of spun off the concept of what we would consider to be modern church aid baptism is the baptism of repentance and consecration that John the Baptist began. I mean, he was even referred to as the baptizer or John the Baptist. And you can see this in Matthew 3.11. Man is the agent of this baptism. And let's read that. I'll read that right quick. Listen to what Matthew 3.11 says. It says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. This is John's words, okay? But, and I love the but. How many of y'all like buts? With one T. Now everybody's got that song running through their mind. Sorry about that. Help me a little bit. Okay. Uh, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Who do you think the he that cometh after me is referring to? You better believe he's referring to Jesus. Hallelujah. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and the fire. So we see other baptisms right here. Remember, we're talking about other baptisms here. But we're talking about John's baptism. What is it? It was a baptism with water unto repentance. And repentance is really just a highfalutin $1,000 word for turning the other way. That's what it is. If you're going one way and you repent, you turn and go the other way, 180 degree opposite. And that's where John was. I mean, he was he was trying to get folks to a place to turn from their dependency and make way for something that would that would fulfill and supplant the law, which was the way that man had at that point in time unto God. And that way was the Master Jesus that he was referring to here, who would then baptize in the Spirit. Okay, and so um, we see then, I mean, we can see a lot of things with respect to the baptism of this repentance. It's not the same as Christian baptism that we are referring to or talking about today, the water baptism. It's not the same. It's not equal because Christian baptism has an even deeper significance to it. And I can prove this out, Acts 18, 24. Acts 19, 1 through 5. And let me just read Acts 19, 1 through 5. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? 
And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard uh, where there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then he said, Paul, John, or then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. See, Paul is talking about John's baptism here. It's a baptism of repentance. And, and then he says, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And then when they heard this, then they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can see even Paul makes a distinction between John's baptism and the baptism of water uh, that represents our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. Hallelujah. The third type of baptism, baptism into the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Occurs upon salvation. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of this baptism. And this occurs whenever you receive the Lord Jesus. You're being led, convicted by, the, by and drawn by the Holy Ghost unto the Father, receiving the salvation message, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart, created a new creature in Christ. And then at that point in time, the Holy Ghost baptizes you into the body of Christ. That's another baptism. Baptism that we're talking about now, the fourth one, is the baptism of salvation. And this is the baptism of obedience to Jesus' word that represents an outward expression of the inward work of salvation. And it usually occurs, you know, following salvation. So once a person accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they've been recreated a new creature in Christ. At that point in time, then, we all believe here, I'll say we all being the leadership of this church, as far as the tenets of faith and doctrines that we believe the word of God is very clearly conveys is that then you would receive, you would be baptized then as an outward testimony of an inward reality. Okay. Very representative of things that have taken place. And we're going to talk about that inwardly. So then the last baptism, of course, is the baptism of the Holy spirit. And we don't even want to talk about that. Well, we'll get off on a lot of stuff. Tremendous, tremendous baptism that is available to all who would believe. Hallelujah. And it occurs as promised by the Father. Jesus is the agent of this baptism. And even though the baptism occurs once, there are many refillings and infillings that take place afterwards. You can see this chronicled again in some scripture we read before, Matthew 3.11, Acts 19.6. We just read verses 1 through 5 a while ago, but go on and read that uh, verse 6. Talk about baptism, Holy Ghost. Okay, and let me give you a scripture on that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, 5, listen to what it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water. Again, this is John's or Jesus' words talking about John's baptism, and this is Jesus making a significance, a, a distinction between those two. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And Jesus is the agent of that baptism. He's talking about that baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a scriptural uh, foundation for what we just talked about there. Okay, so let's move on and talk a little bit more about the concepts of baptism. Let's, I like to call this cutting through the religion. Let's cut through the religion a little bit. What does the Bible say about baptism? What does the Bible say about baptism? And when you look at baptism in terms of how it's been translated in the English language that we all know and understand, it comes from the original language 
from a word called baptizo. Okay, it's a Greek word. And what this word really means is it's, it's, it's always the word from which we see the word in the New Testament baptize or baptism. It actually is derived from this word baptizo. And it, when we translate this, it means literally to immerse or completely overwhelm in, in the experience. Very simple. When you talk about baptism in the New Testament, there's no word from the original language from which that word is derived that means anything else except complete immersion and and complete envelopment in the experience. That's just that's the word of God. That's what the original language says. Okay. Now the root word of baptizo, which is a is a process of this immersion, is means to dip, and it's a temporary exercise. It's called babto. Okay, so then baptizo then is the immersion which produces a, a permanent change in the thing that's immersed. Hallelujah. I'm going to start getting excited here. Hallelujah. So, so there's a distinction between the root word babto and then the, the fullness of babto in terms of the process of this, of this dipping, this immersion in terms of its change in effect on the object. Hallelujah, we're talking about baptism this morning. So baptizo is the process of immersion that produces a change. And what what happened back in the day was they would use this term in that common uh, tongue, you know, baptizo back in the day, to refer to a process in particular as an example when they would take a piece of cloth and they would immerse it in bleach, a bleach-type solution. They didn't have Clorox back then, but they did understand chemistry to a degree they came up with items that they figured out had an effect on cloth they might not have known exactly that it was an oxidation process and so on and so forth organics were being oxidized and the color was broken down blah blah they didn't know all the process but they just knew it worked and they would take that cloth and they would dip it in and then they would dip it in until it began to be cleansed of its color and then dip it in a dye to dye it permanently with its own, with the color that was desired does this sound like anything that might pertain to those that have received the salvation of our Savior? Hallelujah. Have the stains which were stained crimson, stained you crimson, have they been washed away? Oh, glory to God, they've been washed away eternally. And that's a little bit of, of insight into what baptism represents. Hallelujah. You're just like that cloth with the crimson stain. Dipped in the Clorox of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, his blood, and washed white as snow. Many songs, wonderful, powerful songs written about that, about that message. So what did Jesus say about baptism? Man, I'm starting to get excited now. Woo. Jesus directs baptism as a part of the Great Commission. How many of y'all realize that? When you see Matthew 28, 18 through 20, everyone just listen to the words of Jesus. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Hallelujah. Boy, we could stop and preach right there, but I'm not going to. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And though I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
Praise the Lord. He tells you to go forth and preach this gospel. But then what does he tell you to do? And baptize these disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I truly believe, this is thus saith Greg, but I believe that it's not just a matter of the process of baptism in in recitation and saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which you, we, I believe we should do. That's right. I believe that it's a threefold baptism. I believe there's a baptism by the Father, you know, through the Spirit into Jesus. There's a baptism, of course, by the Son, hallelujah, you know, uh, in His death, burial, and resurrection because of our acceptance of His life. And then there's a baptism, hallelujah, in the Spirit of God to receive the power to be a witness. And that's all Scripture in my in the way I see it, okay? I'm starting to get excited now, so I'm going to have to hold me back. And how about something else that Jesus did? He did, was Jesus baptized. Let me, you know, there's an old saying: if it's good enough for the goose, it's good enough for the gander. Well, Jesus ain't no goose. I'm gonna tell you that right now. But I gotta tell you what: if the Master's baptized, then I think I'm gonna follow suit with something He did. And you know, I'll submit to you, thus saith Greg, because you can't really prove this out by Scripture, but it just seems right to me. That Jesus' baptism by John wasn't just the baptism unto repentance. Y'all stop and think about that. Y'all take some Selah moments with that. At some point, just pause and think about that. I can't preach on that right now. We're going to have to go on. Because guess what? When he come up out of the water, what came down out of the sky? You better believe it. Do you think there's any significance that's coincident with the baptism action itself? You better believe. Thus saith Greg, yes. Yes. I mean, it seems obvious to me. So my master was baptized, so guess what? I think I'm going to probably be baptized too. And he was baptized in water, and John didn't take him, and now the Scripture doesn't say this, but I mean, I bet John, John wore camel skin for crying out loud and ate locusts. He wasn't in the social amenities and the fineries of action in society. He was a pretty rough guy. And I doubt that although John had an exceeding honor and esteem for Jesus, the one who he said, I did not have the opportunity or ability to untie his sandals. I'm not worthy to do it. I bet he didn't just take Jesus and sprinkle a little water over his head. Because Jesus said, John, you've got to do this. I bet you money he took him and just, you know, I bet he did it out of honor, but I bet he dunked him down and brought him up. Can you imagine our Savior? He's not halfway identified with what he was anointed to do. He's not three-quarters identified. He became fully immersed and fully anointed from that day forward into the call that God had on his life. Hallelujah. All started because of baptism. So what does it mean then scripturally? Baptism really represents our identification with Christ. When you look at it, really, baptism, whenever you see baptisms, period, it doesn't make any difference what they are, whether the baptism under repentance, whether the baptism unto salva- or the salvation-oriented baptism, the, the baptism unto Christ, our identification, baptism unto the Spirit, they're really, if you look at it from a, a, an actual manifestation of, of reading the context of what happens when you're baptized. It's just being identified with that, with something. You're identifying in the baptism of repentance with a need to turn from your current way and current perspective and identifying with that truth. 
For the baptism uh, with Christ, you're identifying with our master in his death, burial, and resurrection. With the baptism of the Spirit, you're identifying with the, the power of the Holy Ghost that's resonant within you and recognizing that. Hallelujah. So it's really identification. Listen to Romans 6.1. Man, we're going to read some scripture this morning. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? Everyone just listen to this. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? This is Paul talking to the Roman church. I'm going to set my gum right there. Don't let me forget about it. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. There's the identification, folks, unto death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism unto death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There's our identification with our resurrection with our Savior. Hallelujah. Unto a newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to it. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, there's again our identification with him. We believe we also live with him. There's our identification with where we stand now for those that have accepted the Lord and Savior. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives unto God in the same way. Everybody say, in the same way. There it is, folks. You might as well just say, your identification in the same way, hallelujah. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ, hallelujah. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's our identification. Man, that's a good passage to just dwell on. Build yourself up in that. Ground yourself to the reality of who you are in Christ and what has taken place there. Hallelujah. Christian baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And it's a symbolic, and it's symbolic of our death. And burial of our old nature and the birth into the newness of life in Christ. And if the scripture I just read isn't good enough, how about the mouth of two or three witnesses? Colossians 2, 11 through 14. Listen to what this says. In here, folks, I'm not reading this to be filler. I'm reading this because there is life and potential for revelation and understanding. And there is testimony in this verse to, to give foundation to what we're saying. Listen to what what this says it says in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised with christ there again with 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 that's an identification statement having been in verse 12 colossians 2 12 having been buried with him in baptism hallelujah in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. Hallelujah. With him. He forgave us all our sins. Everybody say all. I don't know about you, but the last time I understood the concept of all, it pretty much meant everything. 
forgave us all. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of the legal indebtedness that it would have brought. And it actually stood against us and it condemned us. But it says he has taken it away. Everyone say he's taken it away. Hallelujah. He's taking it away, nailing it to the cross. See, that's our identification. We're talking about being baptized with him, buried with him in baptism, raised together with him in newness of life. That's an identification. That's what baptism is talking about. So very simply, water baptism represents a dramatic testimony of the inward reality of transformation upon salvation. That's what it represents. Second Corinthians 5.17, oh, one of my favorite scriptures. Listen to this. For Christ's love compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one, capital O, who died for them and was raised. Verse 16, from now on then we do not know anyone in a purely human way, even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet we now no longer know him in this way. Therefore, verse 17, here it is, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Man, there's a lot to preach on in that scripture, and I can't go off and preach on it. One of them is in verse 16 about knowing people in a purely human way. We've got to stop doing that, folks. That is, that is the, the, the weakest link of our relationship chain. Because we choose to only know people in a purely human way and not regard them as God does. Okay, I'm not going on. Help me out, Holy Ghost. Okay, so we're talking about concepts of baptism, what it really means. We've gone through three of them here. Okay, so uh, or we're cutting through the religion. We just talked about uh, what does it mean from a biblical perspective. How about is it required for salvation? How many of you all would like to have an answer to that? Is, salva- is baptism, water baptism required for salvation? So let's start out there. We'll talk just a little bit about this. Although the Bible shows the coincidence of baptism upon salvation, it does. I can give you many verses to show that. It does not establish it at on the same level of importance as receiving the gospel message. That is more important than the act of baptism, although baptism takes place once people receive the gospel message. Okay? Don't ever, don't everybody say that's not proof enough for me now. We're going to move on. But if you don't have any scriptural proof on that, I'll give you some Acts 2.42, Acts 8.16, Acts 8.35-37, Acts 16.29-34, Acts 19.5. Those are all scriptures to establish what I just said. Point number two, 1 Corinthians 1, 13 through 16. Listen to what this says. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you. This is Paul talking to people in the church now, and they're all talking about, look who baptized me, because my I'm really saved, and I have a relationship with God more, really, than this person, because I got baptized by him instead of her, him, instead of him. And he's saying, I'm thank God I didn't baptize every single one of you guys. And if baptism really meant something, then he would, Paul would be all over that. Oh, yeah, well, you're right. You, you didn't get baptized in the right way, so it's not genuine where you're at. 
And that's just what I infer from it. But listen to what he says. Let's just go on and see the simplicity of the, the, the message here. Lest any should say that I baptized in mine own name, and I baptized also the house of Stephanus besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. So he's saying there's a couple of people that baptized, but I didn't baptize anyone else. Because here's the reason, here's what it really comes down to. Verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. There it is right there. To me, if Paul would have seen the significance and would have rendered the significance of baptism equal to the gospel message, he would have said something different here, folks. He said, I, it don't make any difference who baptize you folks. It just makes a difference. One thing, this is the Greg version, and it's not that I baptize you, it's that I was sent to preach the good news that got you to a place that baptism meant anything to begin with. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's a third point. Salvation occurs upon belief and confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Everyone is aware of that scripture. If anyone believe, you know, if he, it's about confession and about believing in your heart. Okay, Romans 10, 9, and 10. So salvation occurs then. There's nothing about baptism in that scripture. You see what I'm saying? It says if anyone conf- believes in his heart, confesses with his mouth, and is baptized, then he's saved. I mean, you have to add to the scripture to say that. Okay? Point number four. It is the acceptance of Jesus' work in the shedding of his blood that brings salvation. That is the most important thing. And if you, if we look at Romans 5, 8 through 9, listen to what this says. It says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood and baptism. No. No. What were we justified by? By the blood. That's all it says. I, I'm thankful for those of you all that are listening to me. You caught that. Of course, I looked up and gave a little weird look. But listen to what verse 9 says. Much more than being now justified by his blood, comma, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It does not, if baptism was of equal importance in the salvation experience, it would say justified by his blood and baptism. Does anyone see that? Does that seem reasonable? Point number five. If it were necessary then, and if, if you don't believe me now, then you're going to have to face this and stare this in the face. If baptism, if water baptism were necessary for salvation, then answer me this. How do we reconcile the experience of the thief on the cross? What did Jesus tell the thief when he said he believed in him? This day. This day. I mean, really when it comes down to the final analysis, it just comes down to the fact that that thief saw the truth of who Jesus was. He said, Master, when you get to your kingdom, would you remember me? And I mean, man, Jesus, oh my goodness, to his dying breath, man, we're taking people with him. I see nothing in there that says baptism or that the body, the guy was taken down off the cross and baptized and then he went to heaven. It 
If five points aren't enough, then let's talk six points. Galatians 2.16, listen to what the Scripture says. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. And that's the issue with baptism in so many circles. It's a work, folks. And you're not justified by it. It's, it's been made into a work. Let me rephrase that. It's been made into a work. It's not supposed to be a work. It's supposed to be a celebratory testimony and evidence of the inner work that's taken place in you. Listen to what Paul says. Knowing this, you're not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Verse 18, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Here's the identification principle again. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me, and the life that I now live, I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. My goodness, how we have frustrated the grace of God in religious circles. Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. Folks, when are we going to learn there's nothing we can do that earns any position with God? I mean in the natural, from a legalistic perspective. Your justification comes by faith through grace. And that grace that he gives you to receive that isn't even from you. It's a gift too. My goodness, folks. And i got to tell you one thing. God is an end to vanity. He is an end to planting and sowing his only begotten son on our behalf if there was another way out. And Jesus' own prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane proves that out because that's what he said, Father, if there be any other way. But yet he turned back around and said, no, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Why did Jesus do that three times, at least what's recorded in the scripture? Because his soul was tormented with the concept of being separated from God. But yet every time he reconciled with, with the knowledge inside of his heart, knowing that this was the only way, the only way that we could be justified, made righteous, is through his sacrifice. So here it is, folks, and we're, we're going to be done. We can't, we've done nothing but talk about the good news. We've done nothing but talk about the gospel of Christ in this process in terms of what, what uh, water baptism represents. And I just want to, you know, Pastor CJ is going to come here in just a minute, and I know we want to invite people, as you have heard the message today, and, and maybe you think about this. Maybe you have, we're not going to turn anyone away from the baptism experience, are we, Pastor CJ? Even if you've been baptized before, maybe you were in a situation where you did not have an understanding and it meant nothing to you. And now your heart compels you to do this. There's nothing that says we can't do that. There's nothing that says we can't celebrate with a revelation and a reality, something that's now a reality in your heart. And you identifying with that, praise God, it's a testimony. 
But here's the message. And I heard this so clearly today after we were, as we were going through worship. Amazing love. That's what that, what that song said. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Here's the message, folks. Be reconciled to God. Be brought to him, to his side again. Hallelujah. And this goes for every one of us, not just people that don't know God here this morning. If you find yourself in a place apart from him, be reconciled to him. Come to him freely by way of his precious blood and belief and faith in that and by the grace that he gives to do so. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. It says anyone. You're a new creature. The old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. Everything from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And we've heard people, uh, Pastor CJ, talk about everyone has this ministry. Well, what is the ministry of reconciliation? It's a real simple message, folks, and it's what we've just said. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. And he's committed that same message to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf this morning, and that's what I do this morning. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to him. He made the one, capital O, who did not know sin to be sin, that we might become righteousness of God. That means that we might become in right standing with him. And I implore you this morning, by the Spirit of God, if you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, be reconciled to him this morning. Now is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's not a week from now after you think about this. It's right now. Hallelujah. Don't walk away from here and not receive the blessed hope that many of us profess have received and profess and that we model through the water baptism experience. Would you stand, please? Man, that message is just burning through me. So this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you've not accepted him and you've been created a new species, I ask you this morning, the Holy Ghost asks you this morning, would you be reconciled to him? Would you come and receive that which has already been made available for you? And then, hallelujah, we'll celebrate with you on the New Year's Eve as you testify about that inward work. And I would say this morning, even if you are saved and you find yourself in a place that you're apart from God, you're out of fellowship, you're not, I mean, you can break fellowship, but you can't break relationship. So you can choose to walk away and not commune with him, but guess what? He's always there. He'll never leave or forsake. Can you hear the message? Do you you hear it this morning? Be reconciled to me. Don't stand apart or aloof any longer. Don't let the trifle things of of what you think to be a great sin and something I can't overcome to keep you apart from me. Be reconciled to me. I would invite you to come this morning as well. 
And so I just let's just pray. And those that are drawn by that message, don't walk away and not respond. Father, thank you so much for the glorious inheritance that we have through Jesus. Thank you so much for your precious plan. Thank you so much, oh God, that you conceived of that plan even before we even existed and could have had a, created the need for it to be manifest. That's how much you loved us, Lord. I love what the scripture says. Here in his love, not that we loved you, oh God, but that you first loved us. You first loved us, oh God. You loved us, Father, while we were yet sinners. You loved us when we were at our worst state, oh Master. And you gave the best thing and the only thing that we have to be reconciled unto you. And that was the precious life of Jesus Christ, his blood. And I just praise you so much for that sacrifice, oh God. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing men unto you this morning. So would you come forward? Anyone that feels, if you just feel in your heart you want to respond to a reconciliation message, come this morning. Hallelujah. And we do invite as the leadership of this church, if you would desire to be, to go through a baptism from a a perspective of revelation now and understanding because of this message or because you feel in your heart you want to do that, then do that. Hallelujah. We want to invite you to do that. I just want to take a minute and just allow you to come forward. Hallelujah. Do we need the ministries teams to come up? So let's have the ministry teams come forward. Hallelujah. Don't be ashamed this morning. Hallelujah. Come forward this morning and be reconciled to the Lord if you have not. Hallelujah. I want to extend the invitation to those that just, if you have something that your body is not manifesting reconciliation for, then I want you to come forward too because part of the gospel message is that he bore, himself bore our sickness. He carried our pains. Hallelujah. So you come forward this morning if you need prayer for some issues in your body. Let's receive, let's pull on the fabric of our right, hallelujah, of inheritance this morning. Praise God. And just go to a ministry team and receive that ministry this morning. Anyone, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Bible also says that the chastisement, the punishment for our peace was upon him. So if you find yourself this morning in a place that you cannot get peace in your soul, come forward. I just want to reiterate what Greg said, that if you are ready to commit your life to Jesus, you're ready just to surrender to him. I just want to invite you to come up and and just allow the ministry team just to pray with you and encourage you along those lines. And concerning baptism, as Greg was saying, we are going to have a celebration baptism fellowship time on New Year's Eve from 7 to 9. It's going to be a great time. And if you would like to be baptized, maybe you've never been baptized before. Or like in my case, I was baptized as a young person. But then when I got saved at age 18, then I got baptized because then I was making a choice myself to follow Jesus. So some of you might have been baptized as an infant. That choice was made for you. You didn't make that choice yourself. And if you decide, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. I want to obey him in the area of baptism. Let me know. Please send me a text and say, CJ, yes, I'd like to be baptized. Tell me your name in case I don't have you in my contacts. And so I can get with you and we can talk to you before uh, that Wednesday evening or whenever whenever New Year's Eve is. So let me know. And also, parents, I would encourage you to talk to your children. 
if they if they've given their lives to Jesus already, but they haven't been baptized and they would like to be, we definitely want to invite them uh, to be. But I'd like to talk to them, make sure they understand what they're doing, what that means and everything. Um, and so let me know as soon as you can. And we want to invite you to join us for that great celebration time on New Year's Eve. Amen. All right. So, Father, we just thank you for this incredible time. We thank you, Father, that you're moving in our hearts and our lives. We thank you for drawing us to yourself. And we definitely thank you for that wonderful, incredible message of reconciliation. where We were separated because of our sin. And you invite us to be drawn close to you, to have relationship with you. And that's possible because Jesus took your wrath in our place so that we can have you. We can know you. We thank you for that message. We thank you for that truth and that reality. Father, we ask your blessing upon our time right now as we fellowship together over food. We ask your blessing upon the food. And Lord, we just love you. We thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed, and you can just make your way over to the fellowship area and enjoy dinner together.